Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brand is Female podcast. This week, I'm in conversation with Anastasia Kiku, co-founder of Reusables.com, a container tracking platform that helps businesses easily transition from single use to reusable packaging while also increasing customer loyalty and sales. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brand is Female conversation series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. There's been a lot of talk about single-use plastic and its impact on the environment, but Anastasia and her company took that matter to heart. After immigrating from Russia to get her bachelor's degree in Vancouver, Anastasia started researching the environmental impacts of different industries, and a focus on food came up naturally. She then founded Lighter Footprint, a nonprofit that communicates the impact of food-related emissions and complemented her studies in Denmark as well as Indonesia before coming back to Vancouver and starting her entrepreneurial journey. Through her work, she's acting on her mission to minimize waste in the food sector. In this conversation, Anastasia also talks about being a professional alpine ski racer and how the sport gave her the discipline and motivation she needed to be a collaborative leader and a strong team player. Here is our conversation. Anastasia, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female. Thank you for making time to speak with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. I like to start these conversations with the origin story of uh, entrepreneur's journey. And I'm curious to know in your case, uh, when you were growing up, what did you imagine you'd do as a career? And was it at all connected to what you're doing today or something completely different? That's a great question. And I think uh, really reflecting back on it, the life has shown me that uh, you won't be where you think you will be. And life just goes ups and downs and uh, shows you all the new and different parts of what it could be. So growing mm-hmm. up, um, I was actually in St. Petersburg, Russia and just moved to Canada five years ago. But for a majority wow. of my life, I was a professional alpine ski racer. So um, for a period of my wow. life, I was the, on the junior national team, and that lifestyle was very different. It was just skiing as many days per year as possible. I think there were a couple years in my life where out of the 200 or so instructional days in school, I have missed um, more than 150, so I didn't really oh. <laughs> have that much time to do the classical classroom learning, but at the same time, uh, yeah. obviously, was learning a lot outside of the classroom. So for, I think, a long time, I kind of didn't really question my future and what profession mm-hmm. I'm going to get, what job titles. It was just all about ski racing and just being a good mm-hmm. athlete. Until yeah. um, at around the age of 16, um, there was a pivotal moment where um, 
it was a decision up to me to decide whether I want to train for the next Olympics or try mm -hmm. something outside of um, the ski racing career. And at that point, really, I started thinking is whether there is more to life than just being on those planks uh, on a ski hill and going down really, really quick. So back then, I uh, made a decision to try um, pursue education and see if um, I have some intellectual capabilities um, that can be applied <laughs> in a different way. Um, yeah. So moved uh, to Switzerland to go to boarding school for a couple of years. And after graduation okay. there, I was already thinking about um, studying abroad for my university as well. So made the decision mm -hmm. to come to beautiful Vancouver, Canada and um, pursue education here, but also keep skiing more recreationally. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I end up here. Essentially, never really in my uh, kind of youth life, I had any aspirations of being an entrepreneur. Kind of the life was yeah. stressful enough to where I wasn't looking for an extra challenge and moving kind of halfway across the world to a different city. Wasn't really looking to take on any more uncertainty. But again, mm -hmm. as I said, uh, kind of life is funny in that way where it just brings out some opportunities for you. And in the moment... They make sense. So here we are. It's well, wow. What a, what a wonderful story. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. And it's funny that you chose education uh, as someone who missed so much school. It's yeah. almost like you're making up for what you missed. Yeah, exactly. Then. I was like, uh, there must be something about this. And it was funny because <laughs> some value. when I was choosing a degree, um, like what to study in university, I was like, huh, I don't think I've ever been to a history class. And I, like, I've only done like, three weeks of chemistry. So there's, there's, it felt like there's a lot of doors that are closed to me. So uh, that's how I ended up choosing business because business seemed like it's general enough where uh, maybe all you need is kind of like math, which I was somewhat mm. good at. And uh, it just seemed to be able, like you will be able to touch so many different industries and so many different sectors with a more of a general business degree. So that was my thinking. Mm, I, that's, that's, I love that for you. And uh, so you decided to become an entrepreneur and I want to talk about your company specifically. So um, where did the idea come from? And you've, you know, you're mentioning it wasn't part of the plan to take on something new in addition to uh, a move across the planet. Uh, so where, how, how did that get started? Where did you get the idea for reusables? <laughs> uh, you just mentioned that you decided to be an entrepreneur and thinking back, I don't really think there was a point where I made that decision that kind of will happen very <laughs> organically and naturally. Um, I'll share the story yeah. right now. So essentially going into my fourth year and the last year of university, I was um, chosen to be uh, an intern with a local online grocery delivery company. So they're mm -hmm. called spot.ca. And what's uh, special about their current operations and their model as it relates to sustainability is that they deliver their groceries in reusable totes. So when Wonderful. you order your groceries online, they never come in a single-use plastic bag or not even in paper bags. They come in those kind of like plastic crate things that they bring to you. You get your groceries. And then next week when you're doing an order again, they will swap the old tote, bring you a new one. So in that sense, um, they really incorporate the circular economy model in their operations, and they have been doing that for many, many years. So it works really well for them. Mm -hmm. So that was three years ago, and uh, I was hired as an intern to take that concept of their circular operations and incorporate it into 
more of their operations, um, especially as it relates to the warehouse. That's where uh, I actually met my current co-founder, Jason Hawkins. Him and I, he was um, director of business partnerships with Spot.ca and their um, sister company, FoodX, that does technology um, software fulfillment for grocery companies. So Jason and I were working closely um, on the project and um, really started digging deep in terms of what a circular economy look like in the food and grocery sector. And then Mm -hmm. at the end of my internship, um, I did my beautiful presentation. The company said, uh, thank you very much. We're not going to implement anything of what you suggested. Um, There is not enough budget. We don't prioritize this. All the classic intern things, which uh, I was kind of expecting. But the good thing that came out of it is that Jason and I really enjoyed working together. And when it was time for me to leave, we we kept talking about the idea of circular um, economy in food packaging. And that was also the year of COVID. So what we're seeing um, ourselves is that here in Vancouver, a lot of restaurants were closing their dining operations and transitioning almost 100% to takeout. And then on the consumer side, people were trying to support their favorite mom and pop shop to prevent them from closing. And the Mm -hmm. main way to support a restaurant at the time was to order takeout. So people were getting their food to go and realizing that when they're done with the food, what is left is all the packaging waste. And uh, when you look at your recycling bin, it was just overflowing with containers so Jason and I saw that problem and we started thinking about whether we can do this um, kind of takeout packaging thing any better. So we kept right. doing some research, um, looked at similar models of reusable packaging in Europe and uh, in other parts of the world and realized that those container sharing platforms are becoming a thing and they can work on a small scale. Um, there is still questions about larger scale. So Mm -hmm. we were just doing research and at some point it became really obvious that we just have to just try it out and see if there is demand for something like this in Vancouver. So that was my last year of university. I was still doing courses, but um, I had a lot of free time and just really enjoyed that project. So I was like, yeah, we have to try it out. I guess we'll just see how it goes. (laughs) So in March 2021, um, we launched a pilot project with... uh, just four restaurants in Vancouver, and our goal was to sign up 100 consumers to participate. In the first two weeks of the launch, we had more than 200 people sign up, which kind of showed us that, okay, people are really interested in this. And then the other two questions we're looking to answer is whether this works for restaurants and whether anyone is willing to pay for this. So over Mm -hmm. the course of the pilot, it became pretty obvious that it actually does work for restaurants pretty well. They are also looking for alternatives to single-use packaging. And there is some willingness to pay for something like this. So that was two years ago. And um, essentially, (laughs) uh, I was graduating at the same time as well. And it never really crossed my mind that should I be looking for a job? Should I be considering like evaluating different things? In my mind, it was just, this works. I really enjoy working on this. I really enjoy working with Jason. So therefore, we just must continue and uh, so in that sense, like, I don't really remember making a conscious decision of pursue this. It was just really, really organic. Mm, that's great. And and I mean, organic, kind of pun intended, because uh, <laughs> yeah. everything flowed uh, very organically indeed with 
uh, with a solution that's uh, that's really focused on on sustainability and reducing waste. So, uh, congratulations for getting that off the ground. When did you kind of realize that? Okay, like I'm actually, you, you know, you've mentioned not making a conscious decision about wanting to become an entrepreneur, and all of this kind of happened naturally. So, when did it feel like, oh, I actually have a business now? I'm, you know, I'm operating, running a business. I'm an entrepreneur today. Was there kind of a turning point for for that for you? Yeah, honestly, I think uh, the turning point kind of came after not being paid for six months and <laughs> kind oh, of God. the reality <laughs> of the early stages. Um, when uh, yeah. I was graduating, we kind of had like business plans and um, projected some growth and how we're going to grow it. And then it didn't quite happen the way we were expecting it to happen. So for mm-hmm. a long time, it was uh, kind of like a hard period where you had to either commit and like really mm-hmm. invest and uh, make it your life or kind of like give up and pursue other alternatives. So I think um, right. the moment of realization came where in my mind, I just decided that this is going to be big. We're going to make it work. And I'm hundred mm-hmm. percent committed to that, regardless uh, of the sacrifices I have to make in the moment, in the present day, just because the potential for this is so much bigger. So I think it's kind of like Kind of six months into the launch, I had this conversation in my head and uh, a pretty hard conversation. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm pretty glad with the decision that I made. Mm. And did you get any support for things like, you know, business plan or kind of just the the basics of running a business? Or, you know, did you call for support from from anyone or, you know, an outside entity? Or was it just figuring it out and you guys doing your own research uh, on Google and such? Yeah, I guess the good thing is that Jason and I both went to business school. So the idea of... uh, business plan, some like forecasting, putting together Excel models, whatever it is, was pretty natural. So in the early stages, mm-hmm. um, that was sufficient. But along the way, we definitely have been fortunate to get so much support and so much advice from people around us. Um, some things to highlight is we have been part of a few accelerators or incubators. Right. So one of them that has played a pretty significant role in our business journey is League of Innovators. They're a charity co-founded by Ryan Holmes, the original co-founder of Hootsuite and Manny Pata. And um, yeah, that experience has been absolutely great. It's just a community of young entrepreneurs. So people under the age of 30, just building all types of businesses. And um, mm-hmm. that community really gives you a lot of support and um I guess a safe space to just ask questions with an understanding that um, there are no stupid questions because we're all kind of going through it. But at the same time, there are a few people who are a year, maybe a couple of years ahead of your journey. So they had exactly the same questions not so long ago. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's a really um, safe space at the same time that has access to some people who have grown businesses to be super successful so for example um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know her but tara bosch the co-founder of smart suites they i believe sold for more than 400 million a couple years ago and she was one of the people in that program um a few years before us so there's definitely a few people with uh, really big success stories that you can learn from Ah, that's great 
This season of The Brightest Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and to engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. How long ago did you launch Reusables? It's uh, We turned two years, 16 days ago. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. What was the biggest learning in the last two years? It was kind of the biggest lesson, maybe something you, you know, couldn't have forecasted. I think there has been two things. Um, one of the things this is the journey of entrepreneur is um, a lot of ups and downs and uh, mm-hmm. you'll feel really, really happy some days and you'll feel really, really depressed, exhausted, upset, frustrated <laughs> other days. And what so I learned true. from that is that um, you cannot afford to focus on either th- those for too long. Life, mm-hmm, just you mm-hmm. have to adopt a mindset that life will go on no matter what. And if you're just mm-hmm. like something good happens and you get stuck in this uh kind of celebration cycle for too long, then you'll uh, prevent yourself from making more progress and then you'll be in a slump. Same with Mm -hmm. bad things is uh, I think it's natural that some things won't go the way you planned or wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's just up to you to recognize that in your brain and really move on and not get stuck for too long. So yeah, it's really about, I guess, like being level-headed as much as possible and uh just the dedication to putting in the work, putting in the hours and going forward no matter what. The other mm-hmm. lesson I learned that's kind of related to this is not taking things personally. There is just yeah. so many things in the world that you cannot control and pe- things just happen uh, out of like other external circumstances, not just because of you. So when something bad happens or when someone says no to you, just you have to remember that it's not personal and it will make your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So it has become kind of a full-time you know, role today or are, is it, do you still consider it a side hustle? I <laughs> uh, know it, it was, uh, it's been a full role and a half from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason and I have been full-time on this for a year and a half at this point. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and we have uh, a small but growing team, so we're making it a full-time thing for uh, other people as well. That's wonderful. How important is it for you as a business owner that, and you know, in your case, again, it kind of, you, you didn't decide to start a business first, like the idea kind of happened and made you an entrepreneur as you worked on it, um, but you're clearly purpose-driven and the company's based on values and in your case, sustainability very specifically. To, in today's world, how important do you think that is for entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if there is a right or a wrong way to build your business, but I think there is um, some kind of correlation with businesses that do better than our others. And there is a mm-hmm. correlation with uh, businesses that attract better talent. So you mentioned values and there has been really important to us from the beginning. So even when Jason and I were just a two-person team, at some point we sat down 
and had a conversation is what do you value as a person? What do I value as a person? What do we want kind of the culture and the shared values to be? And it was a really interesting mm-hmm. exercise that allowed us to understand each other better, understand kind of like what is in the middle, what is the overlap and what we want the company to be. So really early on, probably like five, six months into the venture, we wrote down those values, kind of like circled the ones that are really important and have since built on top of that. And even in the hiring process, that's one of the first things that we put in the job description is here's our values. That's what we stand for. And um, I think it gives a really good idea and understanding for people trying looking to join the team, whether there will be a fit for them or not. And then in the recruitment process, we have a lot of conversations around values in terms of what resonates with you the most. If you uh, had to add anything to this team, what would you add as well? And we're really aware of um, culture and recognizing that two people or like what two people agreed on is not the culture. The culture will be whatever everyone who joins will bring into it as well. So in that sense, we kind of have a baseline and a general idea of what we want the company culture and the values of this company to be, but we're really open to uh, building on top of that and uh, yeah, building for diversity as well. And now that you have a team and employees joining you, how do you make sure that that culture and, you know, the values are really shared among the team and kind of, you know, lived and, and breathed on a, on a regular basis? How do you spread the culture and make sure everyone is really part of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most beautiful things that I think has happened to us is our first employee calling us out when we're not following our values. And that has been just, okay. yeah, yeah, it's been great. Um, and again, like it goes back to the culture that um, there is no kind of bosses in that sense. We're all just working on this huge problem. And then whenever one person, regardless of where they're a co-founder or an employee is not uh, embodying those values, you just have to call it out because at the end of the day, we all know it's not about us and it's not about our egos. It's about our ability to build towards the future that we envision. Mm. How important is storytelling? Because, you know, obviously you're purpose-driven and this company is, you know, anchored in sustainability. How do you share your story and how do you make sure uh, even potential clients, you know, get what you're about, your audience, you know, anybody externally? Um, how do you how do you craft all of that storytelling? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I would say between the two of us, Jason does most of that work. So <laughs> perhaps he would be a better person to answer this. But at the high level, what we've noticed is that this is a very easy problem to explain to people. And that mm-hmm. gives us a really big um, leap way, I guess, in the sense that everyone understands it. Everyone can relate to this. So when you're kind of explaining where you're coming from, you don't really need to spend much time convincing people that this is important this is something that you should care about. A lot of people care about it from the beginning. So in that sense, it makes like kind of part of the storytelling a lot easier. And then mm-hmm. on our side, uh, what we largely think about is the brand and how can you make reusables a brand that people can relate to and also mm-hmm. feel empowered by. That's a big part of um, kind of how we're thinking about our platform is that we want it, we want users uh, to feel that they have options, they have choice, and they actually have alternatives to kind of like 
the systematic problem of waste and we're yeah. there to support them, celebrate their impacts and um, just be there for them to feel empowered. Mm. What is your growth strategy and are you planning on taking the brand in other cities besides Vancouver? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have pretty ambitious plans for the next year and beyond. Um, kind of like some of the examples of what we're thinking in terms of growth will be in more than 400 locations by the end of next year in BC, as well as we're looking to grow into other parts of Canada, kind of east of here. At the same time, we are launching in Seattle in the next couple of weeks oh, to uh, grow there as well. So yeah, we're yeah. pretty ambitious and we'll see how much of it we can make happen. What would be your top three pieces of advice for entrepreneurs thinking of doing something, probably a business that's, you know, focused, anchored in sustainability, purpose-driven, where should they start and what would you like them to know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the first thing is um, perfect is the enemy of good. With so mm-hmm. many things, you just have to get started and figure it out along the way with a small caveat that um, I think you have to be really intentional and mindful of the impact that you're creating. So with some things, you know that whatever you do can't be perfect, but it has to be not positive. You can't really do something that is going to do worse because we don't have time or we don't have um, the capacity to do any more harm. So if you're thinking of doing something in sustainability, you really need to have a holistic framework and understand that every single ta- action and every single decision you make creates not positive. So in that mm-hmm. way, just, yeah, be action oriented, but be really mindful of the overall impacts. I think the next thing is um, probably what I said about not taking things personally, just be prepared that along the way, you'll have a lot of no's, you'll have a lot of challenges, people will be mean to you. Uh, people will be difficult, uh, but it's not personal. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Um, and I think the last thing is uh, take care of yourself. You really need yeah. to understand mm-hmm. that um, it's a long journey and uh, it'll be really tempting for sometimes to work weeks or months or years without breaks, but understand mm-hmm. that um, the impact it has on you and whether it's working for you or not and whether it is um, hindering your ability as an entrepreneur and as a company to create the long-lasting impact. Because oftentimes, especially on the early stages, unfortunately, you as an entrepreneur is the core of this company. So if you're mm-hmm. not there, no impact will be achieved. So be really honest with yourselves in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. Fill your cup first. Um, you've mentioned, you know, kind of that reality of being an entrepreneur and the, when you're up, you're very up, but you can be down and very down. Uh, and you've mentioned now the importance of, you know, looking after our, ourselves, uh, especially in the, in the early stages, what's your kind of formula? How do you stay grounded and kind of, you know, found, find that, that place to really keep your balance? Yeah, that's a good question as well. Uh, to be completely transparent, I'm definitely still working on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we, it's an ongoing quest for life, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I think part of it just really comes, again, from understanding yourself, understanding what works for you, what gives you energy, what are the small things that um, take away your energy and uh, really 
mm-hmm. leaning into that. For me personally, a big part of it has been just exercise and staying active mm-hmm. and uh, not letting myself uh, go in those loops where work is bad, therefore I'm not taking care of myself. Then you have even less mm-hmm. energy to work on stuff, then work gets even worse, and you can't take care of yourself even Just less. It's trying to, yeah. yeah, exactly, break out of that and look for yeah. ways exactly like where do you get energy, whether that's social, whether it's exercise, whether it's eating well. Uh, yeah, just exactly like any way to get you out of the spiral. Mm, very good advice. Well, I'm wishing you all the best with uh, the next steps. And, you know, you're already on an amazing growth journey for Reusable. So congratulations on that. Can't wait to see where you're launching next. And thank you so much for making time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time as well, Eva. Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more. Yeah.